0: So why did you kill her? Well, she was going to run off with my kids. And that is a quote from David Stewart, who, spoiler alert, killed his wife, Debbie Stewart.
1: Dick. Men are all dicks. All men are dicks. There we go. They're dickheads, and they have dicks. True. True. This is Jen. This is Becky. this is Too Close to Home. And we're just kidding. Not all men are dicks. (laughs) We love them. (laughs) We're feminists. A little bit. (laughs) Unless it comes to like opening a jar. Reaching something high. (laughs) Taking out the
0: garbage.
1: Getting my own glass of water.
0: (laughs) Cooking on the grill. (laughs) Men have their purpose. (laughs) Yeah. We have them for a reason, okay? And I'm sure mine would tell you that my purpose is to make sandwiches and... Cooked dinner. So, okay.
1: I wish a motherfucker
0: would. <laughs> he probably wouldn't say it,
1: but he thinks it. He thinks his job is making sandwiches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, today's episode is, of course, not going to be the best because it does involve murder, but it's going to be a lot better than last week's Jennifer's, which was hard to swallow.
1: Ooh, a lot hard. of spontaneous ejaculation. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: Ugh. I'm still ruined. I mean, come on. You weren't ruined before then?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So our story starts with Debbie and David Stewart, who began their courtship in 1975 and lived together for three years in Decatur, Alabama. Alabama. Roll Tide. (laughs) (laughs) They lived together for three years before they married in August of 1978. Debbie was a widow and had a five-month-old daughter when she met David. Debbie was an attractive woman, At age 36, she stood 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed 130 pounds. She had auburn hair and blue-green eyes. She was a registered nurse, but she quit her work to stay at home after her and David started having kids. She'd been left a widowed mother when her first husband, a U.S. soldier, was killed in Korea. During the time that Debbie lived with David, she became pregnant. However, the pregnancy was terminated by abortion. We're not going to go into all that. We have our opinions on it. Soon after Debbie and David were married, they purchased a home in southeast Decatur. As I said, Debbie had quit her job as a nurse, so the family just lived on David's income. David Stewart was born in 1952. He was a good-looking and youthful 32-year-old. Those who knew him described him as soft-spoken, mild-mannered, easygoing, and quiet. Which is frightening because that describes our husbands.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what I was just thinking. I'll start I keeping mean, a knife underneath my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me end up on the news. <laughs> he just ki- went to go kiss her goodnight and she stabbed him in the throat. <laughs> well, motherfucker was coming too fast.
0: <laughs> David was a psychologist coordinator for a training group at the Loren Wallace Developmental Center. A residential facility for, and I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it anyways, because that's how it was described. This was the 80s. For profoundly retarded people, I mm-hmm. hate the word retarded. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Having a special needs kid who has what the correct term is today, intellectual developmental disability. I prefer that. I hate the word retarded, but I only used it because that's what it was called at the time. Hate it.
1: Oh, I, I am guilty of being one of those kids from the late nineties, early aughts because that was slang. Like, oh, that's right. so retarded that it still like pops out and I'm like oh is this what people um, pre-civil rights experience like what <laughs> like this is ridiculous like I, I as soon as it comes out of my mouth I want to fucking punch myself in the face I, I swear every time I don't know it just pops out and I'll go what I
0: hear people use it all the time and most of the time they're using it in a, a way like that from when we grew up and the same, the, same way it. that
1: you say oh that's gay remember how that was right like, yeah, yeah.
0: And I just ignore it. I just don't prefer to use it myself. You know, you can't control what other people say. You can no. control how it makes you feel. And I don't really care. I just don't like to But use
1: even it. then, like, it's... I think we're at this point um, in the world, in America, that we have learned that just because it was okay at one time doesn't mean that we can't get with the fucking times right. and be better about it. <laughs> Preach. Preach, girl. Here for you,
0: girl. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart's main job there was helping challenged find jobs so he helped these patients find jobs in 1979 the couple had a second child around this time they also began extensive renovation on their home the remodeling of course became very expensive and it caused financial difficulty you got one person working you got two babies and you're trying to remodel your house
1: like come on get a little bit more humble you don't need no fancy tiles and shit you know some people bougie
0: This seemed to be the beginning of David and Debbie's marital discord. In February of 1984, a third child was born. So, you know, you strap for money, you're remodeling, perfect time to have another baby. Makes sense, right? To better accommodate the children, Debbie and David decided to add a second story to their house.
1: What? How do you even, like, first of all, renovation's already expensive, I'm considering painting the inside of my house. and That's not even technically a res- uh, renovation. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's going to make this bitch look a little bit better. But it's so expensive. I still have yet to start on it. And these people are like, you know, we're broke already. Fucking second story. <laughs> I don't get it. But who am I? <laughs> who am just I? Just a judge. girl that does a podcast <laughs> with her best friend. That's
0: right. So they decided to add this second story, even though they could not afford it. Also, Debbie began to experience emotional problems stemming from the difficult pregnancy and delivery of her last child. The marriage further deteriorated.
1: People didn't talk about like partum depression and postpartum depression at those times. They were just like, oh, women, emotions, hormones.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I'm gonna need you to stop and go make a sandwich and change it diaper.
1: I'm like, okay, get over it. You had a baby exit your body. Big deal. <laughs> you should have seen that poop from after taco <laughs> night. <laughs> That's exactly how they treated women then. <laughs> so man.
0: There are some questions in my opinion if she really did even have any issues though, or if that was just the ruse the husband said about her. That would be some man shit to say.
1: Exactly. Like, uh, oh, is she really having problems? I mean, y'all know why I did what I did. She was emotional. Like, look at this bitch. She's crying all the time. I had a baby. Nailed it. July 10th,
0: 1984 began just as any other day for Debbie and David. David left early for work and Debbie and her children visited back and forth all day with their neighbor, Evelyn Grace, and her children. At approximately 6 p.m., Evelyn, the neighbor, took Debbie's two oldest children to a ball game leaving Debbie at home with her infant daughter. Shortly thereafter, David returned home from work to find Debbie sitting in the dark on the sofa in the den. When David asked her what was wrong, she told him that a representative from the utility company had come to their home with a return check and turned their electricity off. Oh, shit. Which I was thinking when he came in the house and he flipped the switch and nothing came on, he couldn't figure out what was wrong with her
1: then. But what do I know? Well, for a second there, I was like, did she sniff the powder? Is she about to murder him? Oh, wait, no. See, I let me around. <laughs> I was making up a whole alternative amendment in Like She was like, you know what? Remember how you said all I do is cry? Get ready to cry, bitch. Mm.
0: <laughs> Two of Debbie's neighbors had been at the house when the utility company came by. And Debbie told them this had been very embarrassing, as it would be. Like, right now, if the utility company showed up at your house while I'm here and was like, hey, we got to cut all this shit off because you can't pay your
1: bills. Oh, my God. My ex husband was an addict, and we had split apart. And I didn't. I would give him the money for the water bill, and he would catch the mail before me. And I, it was the same every month. It was like thirty five dollars. He was not paying it, and someone had come and stayed in my house. And the next morning we got up, we didn't have no fucking water. Hmm. And so I called, and I was like, "What's going on?" They're like, "Well, you owe like three hundred dollars." And I was oh. like, "Oh." I owe what? And I was broke as shit. I ended up having to call my sister. And you know, I was like in tears because like me and her had never really gone along. You know, she's my older sister. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll pay you back. And it was like the kindest thing she ever did was like, I got you. Don't ever worry about it. Don't worry about it. And she paid my water bill. And I was like, oh. it was the hardest and the most embarrassing. Yes. And uh, humbling thing. Yes. So
0: you know exactly how she feels right now. Mm hmm. So an argument, obviously, took place. Debbie accused David of being weak for not demanding a larger salary at work. Then Debbie told David that she was going to leave him. She packed an athletic bag and did, in fact, leave. Meanwhile, now keep in mind, her two kids are still gone. Meanwhile, Evelyn returned with the Stewart children around 9 p.m. She walked them across the alley to their backyard, and David was sitting outside waiting on them. He told his children to stay outside with him for a little while because the baby had been fussing, and Debbie was trying to rock her to sleep. Hmm, Debbie's not there. So David and the children uh, eventually went in and went to sleep. Around 10 p.m., David was awakened by the return of Debbie. She told him that she had decided to take the girls and go live in Texas with her sister. At this time, and this is the most, uh, I'm like, oh, you bad, over the. He picked up a book he'd been reading and hit her with it. (sighs) I'm like, she probably called you some names when you did that. Mm, I bet. I would. So, after hitting her in the head with the book, he then picked up a jump rope that was laying on the floor and strangled her to death.
1: Oh, I thought he was going to start with... I'm not saying that was better, but like... (laughs) like, He's going to challenge her to a jump rope challenge? (gasps) No, (laughs) but... I'd pay to see that.
0: <laughs> Remember how you used to do that?
1: Double Dutch. Double Dutch. <laughs> Sorry, we have to put humor in here, guys. It's the only way we can cope.
0: So, because blood started coming out of Debbie's mouth and nose, David moved her body to the shower in the bathroom adjacent to his bedroom. He then addressed the problem of disposing of her body. He later stated that he did not want to go to jail and have his children taken away from him. He said that he knew he could not dispose of a whole body so he used utility razor blades to cut through Debbie's flesh and used a hacksaw hacksaw to cut up her bones. When he was finished
1: That's a tiny ass blade to be sitting there going. uh, Right? Mm.
0: When he finished Debbie's body had been dismembered into eight pieces.
1: You know what gets me about this like okay it's one thing for a stranger to do that but Somebody who you have been intimate with. Have who, children with. You know, have children with, have literally probably seen sit on the toilet, shut their guts out. hmm And that same body that you spent all that time loving and all that shit, now you're taking a small-ass utility knife and just, sh- sh- like, it's nothing.
0: That, I can't understand. Because like you said, a total stranger not saying that would be okay. But at but least there's, there's no an like, emotional detachment. Yeah. Right. With this, there is. And... I mean, I get that she said she was leaving, and but she hadn't even left yet. The people can work things out. You yeah. know what I mean? She may have come back. Although you. when a motherfucker hits you in the head with a book... <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with a lot more than a book, bitch. <laughs> and I'm guessing maybe he hit her and then words were said and then that's what escalated it. Mm. You know, they don't... They, spoiler alert, they don't really know. They just have his word of what happened, so yeah. they, don't, they don't know.
1: Which, I mean, he probably did and just like many killers, they will give themselves little allowances mm-hmm. to justify why they're killing that person. Well, I hit her in the head and she started ran back at me. And then I was like, I had to kill a bitch. Right. She was going to leave with my kids. Yeah. Like, would you? No.
0: He dismembered her into the eight pieces. Then he wrapped each body piece in newspaper and placed each in a plastic bag. He took the bags to an unfinished bathroom upstairs and locked the bathroom door. Then he went and checked on his kids and went to sleep.
1: <laughs> I wish you could see Jennifer. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap it up in newspaper like it's fish and chips. Put yeah. it in a plastic like bag. Like some meat you just got at the meat market. Throw it up in a bathroom. No cooling. No refrigeration. In like little fucking de- decomposition hot pockets. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like them bitches ain't gonna... Then go check on the kids and go to bed. Because you know I'm tired from I'm all tired. that work. Do you realize how much it takes to take apart a body with a utility knife? I don't, but I imagine a lot. My hand hurts. <laughs> I have
0: trouble using a a butcher knife to cut apart a whole chicken so listen
1: I have long hair and I was I was blow drying it last night and giving myself kind of like a blowout and by the time I got to the top of my head I was like my arms are tired I'm like leaning on the wall <laughs> with the hairdryer like come on oh, I'll do the <laughs> same thing <laughs> I feel every bit of
0: your pain girl every bit of it <laughs> So yeah, I couldn't take apart. It would take me days to get a human body apart.
1: I'd be like, you know what? Go ahead and call the cops right now. I'm done. Just take me to jail. I'm like, I'm done. Just <laughs> no. get me a Gatorade on the way there because my muscles are butties. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be cramps for days. Gotta pick some pickle juice. God damn. Yes. <sighs>
0: the next morning, David took the children to his aunt's house and began considering how to dispose of Debbie's body. After taking. That's when he cons- After taking. Three weeks, three weeks to explore the many alternatives. He decided to build a fish pond in his backyard and bury Debbie underneath the fish pond.
1: First of all, that's a lot of maintenance, and you was already broke. You can't even pay your fucking light. Oh my bill. god! Thank you. That's exactly what I go- thought. Where are you going to get the fish? You ain't putting no koi in there. You can't afford that. <laughs> you going down to Pet Smart and getting you some of those cheap ass g- goldfish that are going to die in two days? Yep. Yep, sir. With the help Can't even afford a plastic fish <laughs> for, With the help of Virgil Keem A
0: hired contractor He began construction of the pond However when the time
1: came It would be so, funny if like Alright before we build this pond I need you to build a hole That's six feet long <laughs> Three, three feet, feet wide And two deep deep, deep. <laughs> It's for books It's for books <laughs> No, no, no like don't worry. To they're they're, they're biodegradable. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fine, fine. fine. <laughs> Helps keep it fresh. <laughs> yeah.
0: So he had homeboy help him, like, dig out the pond and all that. But when it came time to pour the concrete into the pond, he told him, I got it from here. You good, bro. Appreciate the help. i at course. you. <laughs> Not suspicious at all. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Just before daybreak and for some time thereafter... David moved Debbie's body into the hole, covered it with cement, and then finished the pond. From that time on, David continually landscaped the area immediately around the fish pond to keep it pretty. He'll later say that he kept it so pretty because she would have liked it to be really pretty.
1: You know what I would have liked? (laughs) To To be be alive. alive. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I would have liked? You not to dissect my body with a utility knife. Fuck your hand. That's what I would have liked. (laughs)
0: Also, on the morning after Debbie's brutal murder, David began his attempt to cover up the crime he committed. He told neighbors and family members that Debbie was suffering from severe, severe postpartum depression and had packed a small suitcase and just vanished into the darkness,
1: without her baby and everything,
0: without any of her children. She just bounced. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Story. <laughs> David, assisted by Debbie's family, immediately began a search that was to last three years.
1: Oh, that's a long time, man.
0: A long time. David went to great lengths to stage Debbie's flight. He petitioned the probate court requesting that Debbie be committed to the Department of Mental Health if found, alleging that she had a mental problem and was a threat to herself. That's why I'm like, I wonder if she even had postpartum depression or if he just made all that up from Like, that was a justifiable reason to Mm -hmm. do it. Also, like... Well, and he was using it to explain away her disappearance. If your
1: spouse is missing, the last thing I'm going to be worried about is committing them when they get back. I'm just going to be concerned and consumed about getting them back. Well,
0: now, to play devil's advocate, think about it like this. If you want to really show that you're concerned... Well, she ran off and she's a grown adult, so she can... But if you're like really showing how you want to get her back and make her better, you're gonna put the sense for her to be locked up in the mental facility to get the help she needs for her. Yes. Fuck. See, you gotta
1: think about all angles. See, Look that's how consolatory like,
0: she might not even want to come back because she left us, but she at least needs help. Mm-hmm.
1: See, if I ever commit a murder, I'm your girl. That's right my here. girl right there. Got you. All she angles. She gonna think it through. Next Mm -hmm. time someone asks me if I want to go on a tour for free And what I'm doing afterwards (laughs) I'm going to call Becky And ask her opinion She's
0: probably going to tell you run Run girl Run You done lost the jump start He sees you on the phone (laughs) Your timing is limited Push Jimmy down and run It's about my timeshare I'll be right with you Jimmy has a bad back Push him down and run
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy. <laughs> like a karate pop, chop right into sciatica. Exactly. <laughs> when he goes down, take off. You got, you got a little bit before he gets back up. I got to do something because I am not in shape. One, I'm going to drive. I'm going to walk, run a quarter of a mile with my chunky ass and be like, uh, uh. fuck it, just take me. Take me now, Jesus.
0: Bring me, a Gatorade. My muscles are fatigued. Tell him I fought hard. <laughs> Tell him I made it a half a mile. Tell
1: them I ran it in 10. <laughs> oh. Not <laughs> the only. The whole time you're killing, standing <laughs> over you going, what? I'm not telling anybody. Man, come on. At least you. Can do. <laughs> Maybe look right. Oh, I'm going to stitch in my side. Kill me quickly? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why do you deal with me? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Not
0: only did he petition the courts for this, you know, mental health evaluation that they found her. He pursued Odell Cruden, a resident of New Orleans, Louisiana, to call him collect from various pay phones around the French Quarter so that when his phone bills came in, he could show them to Debbie's family and police and tell them that Debbie had been there calling him. This farce resulted in an intense search for Debbie in the French Quarter by Debbie's brother and the New Orleans police. Assisted, air bunnies, (laughs) by David. Posters and flyers were made and distributed all over the city. So since he's like, she's calling me from here, and then he had all these random calls at dates and times, they, I mean, they believed him, why wouldn't they?
1: It's the most ridiculous shit ever.
0: And that's why I'm like, I just don't think it all happened over a fight and her saying she's, that's meaning. a
1: lot of premeditation.
0: A lot of planning.
1: I think like. Oh no! This. All these things just aligned.
0: Yeah, happenstance. And that you, you just... had all
1: this newspaper to wrap your body's wife's body up in. Yeah, and plastic bags to hold the body because that can't be a small plastic bag. It's at least a two-gallon one, and those are expensive. Motherfucker <laughs> well, can't even pay his well, light she, bill. She's five seven. <laughs> she's a tall girl. Son of a bitch. Yes, you need a lot of bags. That you have to cut the thigh in half. And I'm like, where were the kids while you were in here cutting her up? I mean, oh, that is so disturbing.
0: Everyone in the family said that Debbie would never simply walk away from her children, no matter what. A neighbor told police that it didn't make any sense for her to leave home without a car. Furthermore, the neighbor had watched from her window as David dug a hole in his backyard soon after Debbie left and poured concrete into it at night. So the nosy neighbor's like, uh-uh. I was
1: watching, but somehow she missed when he put the body in there. Yeah. I'm like, she had to get, I guess she had to pee at one point, but damn, like, first off, if you want to not be suspicious, do that shit during the day and make it look like you've done a Lowe's run. Yeah. You just do in regular, nobody's going to pay attention. You do something at nighttime that isn't drinking around a fire or some normal ass shit like that. If you dig in a hole, you carry equipment out of your car, putting shit mysteriously large boxes of books in your car <laughs> you know people are gonna fucking see it and they're say gonna something. raise an eyebrow we had a, a an instance not long back where someone was looking for someone at a house and they looked across the street and there was two ladies sitting on the porch and they're like have you seen this car and they've been like hell yeah we've seen that car. We see it at least once a week exactly Ever, they see something they say something that's right <laughs>
0: The police were concerned as well. At the beginning of the investigation, they questioned David, David Stewart, followed up on leads, and asked David permission to dig in the yard to search for Debbie's body because they they was listening to neighbor. David refused to allow an excavation, and without his consent or probable cause, all that anyone could do was wait because they didn't have. There was no, you know, in the eighties, they weren't in there no. spraying with luminol and all no. of that. They were all
1: about tramping fucking crime scenes and shit. Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull some hair out over the victim's (laughs) body. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) So they had no body, no uh, evidence of a murder. just the nosy neighbor looking out the window saying he was pouring concrete at night, which she could easily explain. I got three little kids. The only time I can do the work is when they're sleeping in their beds. I can't do it during the day because I got to watch
1: them. Yeah. I guess someone's got to bury these books. Exactly. they're not gonna bury themselves
0: <laughs> in the meantime David. Oh, when
1: said- i die i want that on my gravestone here lies books <laughs> i didn't even want to be buried i want to be cremated because that sounds depressing well, to be stuck in a box for rest of eternity but now i'm like here lies books that's well, all i want on there don't put my fucking name how about we
0: don't bury you we just put a headstone that says that and we actually bury some books people are like I'm suspicious and they dig it up they really just find books and they're like oh fuck it really is just books
1: (laughs) (laughs) and we had to put the worst books like Fifty Shades of Grey yes um, Flowers in the Attic like some real like some Danielle still up in there yes (laughs) yes agreed agreed (laughs) in the meantime David's life had returned
0: to normal approximately six months after Debbie's death David began a relationship
1: With the 15 year old babysitter. I don't know why. I can hear the Law and Order SVU soundtrack come on. (laughs) Dun, dun, do, 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 do. I'm like,
0: he was pretty smart in the sense that, you know, uh, had the people call him from New Orleans, issued the mental health thing. But, you know, it really starts steadily going downhill. At night, he starts digging a hole. Feeling it with concrete, dating a 15 year old, like
1: getting a babysitter and getting real friendly with that babysitter. Where is this babysitter's parents?
0: uh, It's the 80s. Jesus Christ. He's getting way too comfortable with getting away with it that he's just. He was a white man, wasn't he? Of course.
1: (laughs) Knew it. I fucking knew it. (laughs) Only white men do this
0: kind of shit. (laughs) Six months after the relationship began, the two were sexually involved. For three years, Maggie Brown tried to convince the police that her friend and neighbor, Deborah Stewart, had been killed and buried under the goldfish pond in the Stewart's backyard. I watched from a back window. I saw him digging a hole in the backyard, Bowen said. He poured concrete at night. We had suspected foul play, but had no probable cause to get a search warrant to dig up the pond, Police Lieutenant Ed Taylor said. We were denied permission to inspect the backyard.
1: But... See, what they needed was a really impactful nosy neighbor. I told you about that girl that was killed by her boyfriend, right? Or ex-boyfriend. Mm-mm. She was pregnant. And he had went to prison for a little bit of time, came back out, didn't want nothing to do with her. She's a smart girl. She was uh, in school to be a nurse. And I think she was like six, seven months pregnant. And, he, and his, he was at his house and called her up. He said, come on, we'll work things out. Now, a couple days before this... Uh, His next door neighbor noticed that he had dug a hole on the next door neighbor's property. And the neighbor was like, the fuck's he doing? It was like about a foot down. And then a week goes by and that hole is now filled in. Mm. He had waited for the girl to come by, killed her, then waited for the school bus to pick up the kids that morning to drive by because there's a bus stop right there. Drug her body across the yard, buried it, On the neighbor's property, (laughs) this motherfucker don't know where his property line is. That neighbor was like, Let me go see what's going on. Brushes aside, finds the girl. And it's like, That's what you need proactive neighbors. Exactly. That right there. Exactly. You see someone dig a hole, forget your property line. Fuck it. Go over there. Exactly. It's a little sweepy down. Like when rear vi- rear re- rear windowing it right now, like just watch everybody, <laughs> you know, start digging up holes and <laughs> shit. Your neighbor's really going to be trying to do a koi pot next to my house. I'll be over there three o'clock in the morning <laughs> digging underneath it. What are you doing? I know there's some books bugs bugs here. <laughs> I know there's something under here. I know it.
0: Then you know, then our podcast takes off because you're on the news as the crazy lady.
1: <laughs> They're calling me the Edgar Allan Poe. I can hear the ha. <laughs> Oh, I'm so fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) When
0: David's financial problems worsened to the point of having to file bankruptcy, his house was foreclosed on and taken away from him.
1: That's when... Come on now.
0: Now, I read two different things. I read one that the police went to the new owners and were like, hey, can we go dig up the pond and look under it? And the neighbors were like, yeah. Another one that I read, which seems more likely was the nosy neighbors went over and she met the new neighbors and she was like, hey, what you doing today?" So let me tell you.
1: And she told (laughs) me. Nice to know you. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's all great. Did you know about the person that used to live here?
0: (laughs) We really need to get up under that pond. And so they were like, we're that neighbor. We are. (laughs) So the new neighbors were like, by all means, please, if there's a woman under there, could you find her? (laughs) So either way that, Historians with the police coming over and digging up the pond. You
1: know, it gets me, son. Why didn't you just find some way to go hit a street corner or something? Move her body if you don't think you're going to keep that property because obviously everybody's watching you like a fucking hawk. Oh, well, because I'm sure he had no plans of
0: going into bankruptcy and foreclosure. Nobody does.
1: No, but even then, like. I know the time's near. Like I need to go out there and fucking do something with this body before other people. Oh
0: yeah, once you know looming is yeah, they got like and what closure. thirty day
1: notices and shit like that. Yeah, there was um, a case where this woman's body was found in a fifty five gallon drum, and what happened was these homeowners had moved in, and they found it, and they were like, "We don't want this here," and they rolled it out to the curb, and the tr- the trash people would not take it because it was too heavy. So they went to open it to see what was in it. Which, first of all, why are you going to open a 55-gallon drum? Like, there's nothing going to be in. Nothing in there is going to be good. Turns out I'm there's a body. I'm ashamed to admit that I would open it. <laughs> Looking for a body. <laughs> there's a body in there. Um, turns out the man that had killed this woman had killed her like 40 years prior. Damn. Put her in a 55-gallon drum uh, with pellets, like wax pellets from a flower company, like an artificial flower company. Built a porch up over it and left it sold his house and fucking left it and it went through like four owners where everyone was like that shit's too heavy it's staying here and finally somebody goes I'm tired of it I want this cleared out that's I would have been the person that was like I'm tired of that get out
0: there and get that off my property we're rolling it out there if we have to but I don't want this shit on there and And it took
1: like two people and they were like when they opened it the smell and I'm like I can't even imagine Mm.
0: Mm -mm.
1: sorry I keep taking us way (laughs) offside okay okay. (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you about another murder people are ridiculous pay your fucking bills my story (laughs) is bringing up all kinds of stuff for Jennifer
0: (laughs) she is on it today (laughs) I mean (laughs) so on August 19th 1987 (laughs) shortly after noon police arrived at the home of 2323 Springdale Road with them were several city workers with jackhammers and shovels an hour after they began a heavy black plastic bag was unearthed. The excavation yielded the somewhat preserved body of Debbie Stewart, which was later positively identified through dental records. The bags contained a torso, the victim's head and various parts of the body. Police said the remains were preserved because lime had been poured over the parts and they had been wrapped in plastic and newspaper. David Stewart was arrested that afternoon without incident and taken to the Morgan County jail where no bond was set. Yes, Queen. Queen. Who's the queen?
1: I don't know. <laughs> the police here. I don't know, but I'm We're happy. The nosy neighbor who told and fuck oh, yeah, that woman's okay. definitely a hero. <laughs> you are a woman after my own half. Let me tell. How are you? I'm Becky. Hi, hi. Here's the casserole. <laughs> Let me tell you about what ha- may have happened on your property. <laughs> I would. I would. You would, too. Fuck yeah. Well, there was I'd a fire down the street one days. time. I sent Jimmy down there to get the scoop. Motherfucker, he got nothing. I was like, next time she you goes down, better. I will go. First of all, I blame you for sending Jimmy, okay? I
0: you knew better. <laughs> oh, he like, was just going to come back and tell you there was a fire, which you already knew. And it was like
1: an arson fire, too, Becky. Oh, I remember. Because I, I wanted can. details, and you're like, Jimmy didn't get any. See? To this day, biggest letdown in my whole marriage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, then he's doing a good job if that's the biggest letdown. He is doing a stand-up job (laughs) as a husband. (laughs) The following day, police captain Ken Collier announced that William David Stewart had been arrested. Several bags containing dismembered body parts had been recovered from his former home. I hoped she wouldn't be there, the neighbor said to the newspaper reporter, but I knew she was. Coworker Beverly Jolly said that those who knew him felt sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Having to raise his kids all alone like that after his wife left.
1: I bet there was like some single ass lady is what was trying to hook up with his ass. Oh yeah,
0: he was a good looking guy. Oh,
1: that makes me hate him more.
0: Stuart was easy to work with, very nice looking, and certainly had no trouble finding women to date. Mm.
1: Beverly worked Including 15 year olds. <laughs> including 15 year olds. just Shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Beverly worked with Dave- David, and while
0: she knew the potential risk of dealing with unpredictable patients, she was shaken to find out that the real danger for her safety was one of the people she worked with.
1: Stuart entered a Have plea- you ever had that happen in your life, though? Like somebody that you knew ended up being someone who committed a crazy crime or really serious?
0: No, Jennifer, I don't keep company with those kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I know you did. <laughs> But you not probably
1: still do. No, well, I'm looking at her. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a kid I grew up with his dad and my dad worked together. Spoiler, she's got another story. <laughs> I got another story. <laughs> this um he grew up to be a teacher. And probably like s- 7 years ago, I'm looking through news for Jax, like on Facebook or something, he had been arrested and was a pedophile. Oh. And I'm like, I remember playing dress up with this boy. Oh, like we would, should play doctor. No, no. <laughs> I would literally put on a T-shirt and a belt and like rocket like a dress. OK, he was he he was like the Justin Timberlake phase guy. Like he okay. had the, like the, the ramen noodle hair, you know, yeah. and it was just like one of those things like I can't. I can't even imagine like it would never have been something that crossed my mind. So I can't imagine what those people were. Like the people close to him, like oh, oh yeah. he's a good-looking guy, and he didn't. He was doing this for his wife because I'm sure he told them everything that they wanted to hear. Yeah, and the shock I and mean, be like, fuck. Yeah, no. Satan I've in the mist. Been fortunate enough, I don't
0: that that not that I can recall. I knew anybody, or that I'm aware of. Maybe I just haven't read their story. Maybe
1: I'll find one. Maybe it just hasn't happened yet. Looking at you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Stewart entered a
0: plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. A non-capital murder indictment was handed down. Stewart's bill was set at 250000 and he stayed in jail while waiting his trial. His defense attorney, Norman Roby, asked for a change of venue due to the publicity, but the request was denied. Because obviously, it went wild in the papers and everything when... I mean, it's not every day that your neighbor buries his wife under a no, no, pond no. in the backyard. I mean, we wish... <laughs> Have plenty of episodes, so one year. Jk, Jk, Jk.
1: <laughs> please yeah. don't kill your neighbors. Please don't your don't wife? Don't kill your wife. Don't 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 kill yeah. nobody. Please don't.
0: There's plenty of content out there. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But do film book Bigfoot
1: in the woods, please. Oh my god, and his hot brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's not a bad boy anymore. He's hot now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad boy
1: with that hairy chest I worry about her (laughs) (laughs) y'all A hairy chest that hairy face (laughs) talking like Chewbacca Mm. Works his way around the woods and how to survive build me a fire hunt me me some get me some nuts and berries and shit (laughs) hunt me some animals feed me good (laughs) I won't ever shave again for the rest of my life probably
0: build me a log cabin out there (laughs) Okay, we're going <laughs> a really weird hole. <laughs> one year and one month later, on September 19th, 1988, David Stewart walked into the fourth floor courthouse, courtroom of the Morgan County Courthouse, wearing a coat and tie. One woman said she had taught one of the Stewart children, and when asked if she could render a fair and impartial decision, she responded, Deep down in my heart, I just don't know. A jury composed of eight women and four men, along with two alternates, was finally... Made. Bob Burrell prosecuted the high profile case of Alabama versus William David Stewart. During the opening statement, Burrell painted a picture of the events of July 10, 1984. Stewart had already confessed twice, Burrell told the jury. He wanted the maximum of 99 years in prison for David Stewart. Debbie Stewart's sister sat next to the attorney. Defense Attorney Norman Roby, in his opening statement, portrayed David Stewart as a reasonable, well-mannered, easygoing, and nice man. He went on to say that Stewart was wound tighter than a rubber band and was, ain't that some 1980s? Right? (laughs) Alabama, imagine it in a country (laughs) accent too. He was just wound tighter than a rubber band. (laughs) And his wife with her crazy postpartum hormones just made him snap. (laughs) Maybe if she'd have made him some fried chicken and mashed potatoes. None that bitch just stayed happened. in the kitchen. She might be alive and well right now. It's <laughs> exactly what I'm picturing. Picturing with the handkerchief wiping the sweat off, fans going on. Seersucker
1: outfit. Yep. Sweet tea just clinking in a glass. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I need some bourbon. Exactly what I'm envisioning. <laughs> I
0: got the vapors. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just driven to a breaking point by financial burdens and marital problems. He snapped, Roby offered. But he did not deserve
1: to spend the rest of his life in prison. <laughs> Listen, if you snap, those people usually call the cops. They do. Oh my God, I can't believe I did this. There's usually a lot of remorse. This motherfucker when sliced I said, and diced her. Hired people to
0: call from out of state. And <laughs> fuck the 15-year-old babysitter. He had no remorse. He None. had
1: no... This wasn't just a snap. Oh, my God, what did I do? (laughs) Tend in that garden. Yeah. Building ponds. She would have wanted
0: my ass. Debbie Stewart's sister was the among the first witnesses called to testify for the prosecution. She recalled that it took three weeks for her to convince David to file a missing persons report, which he did on July 31st, 1984. You know why it took him three weeks? He had to get rid of
1: everything, right? How
0: long did he have her up there in that bathroom? Oh, yeah. Three that's weeks. Right. Ugh. So he wasn't going to file a missing person and bite the police until he had that body buried.
1: How old were the kids? They were all toddlers. Good. Because I was like, if they were like eight, nine, 10, I can mm-hmm. imagine them like, one, that's a decomposing body, plastic bag or not. It's going to, the smell is going to permeate throughout the house. Like, could you imagine remembering this situation, remembering smelling the decomposing, remember people accusing your father? Like, I'm sure that's all they've known, obviously, at that point, but like.
0: Well, I guess, so she had a five-month-old when they started dating in 75, and he killed her in 84, so the oldest was nine. Oh. Nine, almost 10. Man. That poor kid. So, yeah, they may have had some kind of idea of what was going on. The medical examiner, Dr. Kenneth Warner of Tuscaloosa, recalled the results of the autopsy performed on the remains of Debbie Stewart. She had a black eye and two inches of her neck were missing. And I'm guessing that's when he cut her head off. I, I I don't. Because of decomposition, Dr. Warner was not able to rule on an exact cause of death.
1: Do you think that is where he choked her at? Because like he choked her. Maybe. Maybe he took that and buried it somewhere else as like a if they do, then they're not gonna be able to figure it out. Maybe. Which I mean, sir, you've already sliced and, maybe he and diced her. Slit her throat neat. Wanted to say, I don't know, who
0: knows, girl? I, no one will ever know because, you but. know, he's going to stick to his little story. Yeah. Finally, David Stewart took the witness stand in his own defense. According to David, De- Debbie nagged him about his salary and called him spineless for not taking, um, asking for more money at work. He said that she refused to go back to work to help out, the f- help out financially, nor would she agree to file for bankruptcy or move into a less expensive home. On top of that, Debbie had been suffering from postpartum depression since the birth of their daughter. So, I mean, there's a good chance that maybe she was, like, degrading to him and he got tired of it and he snapped. That doesn't excuse it. No. I-, I don't know. He could also just be what perpetrators love to do and that's blame the victim. But yeah. And then it's just their work. Even word. if
1: she was that, like, that cannot be a justifiable. Like, I don't care if, like, I'm the worst fucking person and I have crazy mood swings and I do this and just fucking leave. Yeah. And if they are really that unstable, you can show that to a court and keep your kids. Okay. Fingers crossed. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. But
0: I don't know. I'm going to do story time like Jennifer. I was watching a A&E show the other day and um, it's all caught on camera. The guy killing his wife. And apparently she was very abusive to him. And they had cameras installed and the one in the living room is watching them and it's like crystal clear. Crystal oh, clear. And um, you can't hear though; there's no audio and she just comes up and starts like beating his ass on the, is he sitting in the recliner? And he's like, just like taking it and like, you can like telling her to stop. Well, then she goes and gets a baseball bat.
1: Oh shit. Yeah.
0: And she's like banging it on the thing and in her fist and like getting right in his face and acting like she's going to hit him with it and stuff. And um, she goes back to beating on him some more and this and that. And then she goes in the room where their kid is and comes out and he says at that point when she went in there and she was like, I'll just kill you and our child. And oh, no, um, but of course, you don't know what's being said. No. Well, then you see him go off and get something from behind that couch. And he went and put a gun in his pocket. Oh And my he God. said that the reason he did it was because she told him this time she was really going to kill him. He was like, this wasn't a one time thing. She did this all the time. And um, she goes at him again or something. I can't remember exactly. And he's got it in his pocket. and He just shoots her and she dies. And they were trying to charge him with first-degree murder. And I'm like, where at in any of this what, was this not self-defense? And this was this on fucking video.
1: Also, when you're in an abuse situation, people go like, why don't you just leave? A lot of times the victim's been made to feel at that point that there is no other option. Like, they've been isolated from, they might have some financial isolation. They're familial, like they've already had to cut their family off because of that person. Like, there's Feels like there's no problem. And then you start threatening that person's child.
0: When he was like, if I left, I don't know that I could have taken my son. And she would have had my son. And she said she, that if I left, she would kill herself and him. So he stayed for the kid.
1: That's a slow, that's a lowly shit And had all ever. this video
0: of her shooting up drugs too. For oh, days she, and days. Yeah. And he said when she would shoot up, she would be okay. Like it calmed her. But she hadn't shot up for a couple of days. So they reviewed it and she hadn't shot up for a couple days and went off. So like everything he was saying was like 100% legit. Up. He ended up taking a plea deal and did five years. And I didn't think that was fair. I didn't think he should have to do
1: a day. Man, I wonder what life like for that kid though. Oh, well then he found out that it wasn't even his kid. She'd had oh, an
0: affair. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm sorry, that's why he took the plea deal. Because her family said, if you take a plea deal and like admit to something it's not all put on her and make our family look bad then we'll still let you ha- be in the child's life if you don't we'll take him away and he was like in the interview he's like I didn't have a choice He, we found out he wasn't my kid if I would have went to trial because his lawyer's were like you're gonna be found
1: innocent Uh huh. he was like yeah I'd be innocent but I would never get to see my kid again no. and whether that's his kid or not if he's raised him at that point that's your kid yeah sorry guys for all the side stories today Jimmy, you can cut them if you need to. (laughs) No, you can These are wonderful side stories. Sorry, because I have 90% of them. (laughs) So,
0: Stuart installed a liner and landscaped the pond. He said he went to the fish pond almost daily to pray and talk to his wife, sharing with her the activities of their children's days. He told his dead wife that he kept the landscaping pretty just for her. I wanted her close by, by me and i felt she wanted to be close to our children stewart explained when asked, like a
1: control thing yeah more like i
0: wanted to be and he buried her head facing the house and he said that was so that it could be the closest to them
1: yeah okay ed kemper
0: <laughs> throughout the week of the trial the courtroom continued to crowd at one point circuit judge Rudolph Slate had to stop the trial to confront women lined up on the back wall talking to one another. On September 22, 1988, four years after Debbie Stewart was strangled to death, the case was handed over to the jury. After one hour of deliberation, the jury returned to announce its decision. In spite of the best efforts by Stewart's defense attorney, David, William David Stewart was found guilty of murder. He revealed no emotion when the verdict was read.
1: I feel like, have you ever seen that, there's a TikTok and there's this guy who shows reactions of people who are being um, found guilty or not guilty, and there's some of them that just like, sit fucking still, and that's the scariest of them. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're just like, "Mm." Like, not one, not like, I'm spending the rest of my life behind bars, he's not remorseful that he even did it, like, Mm -hmm. because sometimes people are like, I'm sorry, about it. Like I'm sorry I did this or I'm sorry I got caught. Mhm. They're narcissists and they're really concerned about themselves, but they're showing some fucking emotion. Right.
0: Not homeboy. On November 15th, 1988, Judge Rudolph Slate sentenced Stewart to the maximum of 99 years in prison. The judge explained that the punishment did not fit the crime, but by law he was not allowed to impose a stiffer sentence. There are no marital Pressures to justify what you did, he said. Judge Slate then ordered Stewart to pay his children $10,000 through the victim's compensation fund. William David Stewart will spend the rest of his life in prison. He's currently incarcerated at Easterling Correctional Facility. No release date is indicated.
1: He's still alive. I was hoping maybe somebody would have murdered him. um, Not the last article I read,
0: Which was, here we go. So the sad story of Debbie Stewart did not end at the conviction of her husband. Several years later, a woman wrote a book of fiction that was eerily similar to the Debbie Stewart murder case. Morgan Court Circuit Judge Richard Hunley ordered the book not be published. It was his wish that the innocent children of Debbie Stewart be protected from the grisly details of their mother's murder. He has been denied parole every five years since his sentencing. His last denial came on June 9th, 2022. So just last month. Sure. He was he came on June 9th, 2022 at the age of 70. So he's 70 years old and he was just denied. So he can't petition again for five years. He'll be 75. He has appealed. Uh, I hope he, he
1: lives to be 105 in fucking jail. I do too. He's appealed uh,
0: saying he wasn't given a mental health evaluation to deem whether he was sane or not.
1: Okay, the um, fact that you're even questioning that shows that you're mentally com- com- competent. People exactly. think that um, grounds of insanity means that, like, oh, I'm just fucking crazy. If you can understand the charges being brought against you, the difference between bad and good, like, you don't, you could sit there and talk about fucking aliens all fucking day long. But if you're able to just participate in your, co- with your mm-hmm. counsel, you're competent. Exactly. You have to literally be almost non-verbal, yeah. cuckoo crazy, wrapped up, can't leave a a straight jacket kind of fucking crazy to be found mentally incompetent. Mm-hmm. And I've only come across
0: a few of those in my correctional experience in years. His second excuse was they didn't allow a change of venue. And, you know, it was unfair. Bro, you did the crime in that town. Everybody knows, not their fault. Yeah. It doesn't mean that because people know that they can't make.
1: That's what people don't understand. You're going to have to move a whole different state at that point, even if it was just a regional thing. Most people in that state will probably know. It doesn't matter
0: if people know. It matters if people can separate knowing with using that to make a judgment. They can know what you did, and that doesn't matter. Now, if the media put all kinds of stuff that clouded their judgment going to the trial— That would be different, but they didn't do that. They just talked about it. Bro, nowadays, if that were the case, people knew about it. You couldn't have a trial. No one would be able to have a trial anywhere. God, You can't do nothing without nobody knowing anything. Exactly. And the third, he states that his rights were violated because they continued to question him after he had expressed a desire to remain silent and that they coerced his statements. Maybe they didn't. I don't care. I don't feel bad for him. You killed your wife and buried her under a pond while your fucking babies were in the house. You piece of garbage. So my sauces <laughs> are law. On a lighter note. dot www.upi.com archives 1987 821 body found under backyard. www.waytv.com news 70 year old man convicted of wife's 1984 murder. And tantor.is slash read. And um, I was surprised I was able to find that many sources on a
1: 1984 murder. Really? Especially one that I have never even heard about.
0: Yeah. He came across something that I seen and I was like, oh.
1: Interesting. I'm I'm sure like me, if I'm just like flipping through Reddit or even TikTok these days, I'll come across one I haven't heard about. I'm like, let me save that. Yes. I got a new phone and I was when I was going through my pictures to make sure they came over. I'm like, I have a whole lot of saved TikToks and memes that I have never even shared and I'm not even going to try to go through them. Delete, delete, delete.
0: Same. <laughs> and then I'm like, did I share this or not? It's really funny. I almost want to share it again but... Mm. <laughs> 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 and I have a lot of screenshots of uh, criminals that are cases I want to cover. I know. It's probably terrifying if anybody ever found my phone. <laughs> 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 they wouldn't return it because they wouldn't want to meet me.
1: <laughs> no. no. Well, I was talking to my boss about so, we have like um, emails and an inbox because I am in like a retail kind of job. And I'll go in and I'll write down who's working and I can unassign people that I know are not working. But so then I have notepads of people's names over and over again. And then uh, I was like, so I'm going to need you to please verify with the police <laughs> that I did not kill these people. They're just my coworkers. And I was just <laughs> working on my shit uh, when I worked. With a hairstylist, she's like, I really hope that I never get murdered because I have so many other men's hairs on me. that will never be able to find my tr- oh, killer's hair. Yeah. And that the truth. And oh, my God. Fucking terrifying. You're never going to be able to find your killer because people's DNA is all over, over you. you. Oh, man. Underneath her nails. She's like, I got hair splinters between my fucking toes and shit because she was always wearing sandals. And I was like, that's fucking terrifying. That's kind of terrifying for me, too, because I move so many patients and brush along them that when I leave, I probably have multiple
0: people's DNA on me too. I'm going
1: to need you not to get murdered. But then again, you're smarter than that. That's something I need to worry about. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm literally a red flag for killers. It <laughs>
0: doesn't, you know, keep me safe from murders it just means I won't get in their car and go with them you will I absolutely so, will.
1: they got to catch me you know and they were like don't get in the van with candy I was the kid that was probably getting in the van with candy that I'm just lucky that nobody did that to me when exactly. I was a kid exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> well guys we appreciate listening to us Jennifer go ahead and give our little pitch about our yeah, uh, stuff.
1: whatever platform you're listening on, you, on uh, like subscribe rate all that fun stuff. Follow us. Uh, but also follow us on socials. We are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. The Talk of the Ticks. Too, close, and, to and right. Too close to Home at Yahoo. That's right. Too Close to Home at Yahoo. Let us know what's going on. Do you know a neighbor that might have killed somebody? Do you know somebody who's killed or went through, like, my situation? Did you watch out a window of someone built a goldfish in pond in their backyard? Yeah. Tell us. What are your neighbors doing? It's like the burbs with Tom, uh, Tom Hanks. Have you seen that? No, but it
0: reminds me of Disturbed.
1: Oh, yeah. With Shia LaBeouf, For, however you exactly. say his name. Yeah. <laughs> you get on house arrest one summer. <laughs> Find out what I'm, it was I work doing. remotely, so I'm always on house arrest. <laughs> well, I'm gonna need you to start watching out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, of course, we got merch. Don't hesitate to grab you some swag if you want to. And until next time. Stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And don't
0: bring it so close to home that you build a goldfish pond in the backyard that you put your wife in.
1: Like, if you can't afford your power bill, son, don't be trying to get no coin pound. No. Not the right way to go. Also, why are you having more children and a second story at your house? Who even does that? I, it's like those people who um, buy trailers and they stack the trailers. Like, what are we doing here? <sighs> I can't. <laughs> I don't have time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at tooclosetohome at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.